set free. God, that you would work your will and you would touch lives. I pray, Lord, that strength would come to people here. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Would you praise the Lord with me right now? Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. The other side of the gate. While this is a phenomenal and familiar story to us as apostolics, let us never forget the significance of lessons that can be learned from these ten short verses of Scripture that I believe that are embedded, they're encapsulated in this story. Right from the very first phrase there, it says, Now Peter and John went up together. From this opening portion, I can recognize some awesome parallels that are given to us in the word of the Lord. First of all, it says that they went up. For years, we have invited people to come down to our church, come down to the altar, come down to the place of prayer. But how many knows that any time you're coming to God, you're going up? How many knows that you're reaching greater heights any time that you go to the place of prayer? You may be down, you may be downtrodden, you may be in a low place, but if you're going to the place of prayer, you're always going up. And there is something about coming to that place of prayer that it will lift your spirits. It will lift and strengthen you and your soul. It will help your faith. It will lift up your eyes and your perspective to see things that because of your spiritual posture before you reach that place of prayer, you were unable to see. Maybe you were downcast, but suddenly... And I, I, I was looking recently in the Word of God how many times it, it states, lift up your eyes, over and over again to multiple different characters in the Bible. The Lord gives them this command to lift up their eyes. Or when they were in a circumstance that seemed very challenging to them, they would lift up their eyes and they would see, for instance, the provision of the Lord. They would see a miracle on the horizon. They would look from where they were, no matter how bad the place was where they were. If they would look, amen, God would show them. God would reveal to them that he was, in fact, in control. So we understand that they were going up to the place of prayer. The Bible says that they went up together. Together, I think that's significant. I don't think that you could underscore that enough. That's a very insightful word, together, because great things always happen for God's people when they get together. You don't have to be a theologian to recognize in the Word of God over and over again when people come into agreement, when people were unified together, when people laid aside their own prerogatives and perspectives and opinions and said, Lord, I want you to move. I want you to work. It's not about me individually, but it's about what you want to do through us as a church. It's about what you want to do among the body and the people that are gathered together in your name. And once people get together, something powerful always ensues. Something incredible always happens. And in this particular state, uh, in this passage that we read, we know that a great revival 
after the day of Pentecost where there was 3,000 that were filled with the Spirit, we know that there were five more thousand that were added to the church and it was sparked by what happened right here in this passage. So what are you saying? I'm telling you, when God's people come in agreement together, when we have one vision, one focus, one desire, and that is to please God, we unify and worship together. We unify around this message of truth. We unify around prayer and touching God for the purpose of having a move of his spirit. There is no telling what can happen. But I want you to notice with me these two that that got together. John, we know that he is called the beloved. He represents something symbolic that I believe contributed to this revival where 5,000 consequently received the gift of the Spirit. He is the disciple that at the Last Supper is leaning upon the chest of the Lord, getting as close to him as he possibly can. He is the disciple that is described, the one whom the Lord loveth. Of course, we know that John loved the Lord from that very statement. If the Lord uh, uh, preferred or he was special to him, it must have come from the fact that John had such a dedication, such a devotion, and such a love for the things of God. His love for the Lord cannot be understated. John is symbolic to me of a worshiper. Someone that worshiped the Lord. We know that much later on God would reveal things to him that he had revealed to no other man. We know that he was able even on the Isle of Patmos, exiled from all other humanity, there uh, basically imprisoned by himself. But he was in the spirit, the scripture says, on the Lord's day. He proves to us that you don't have to just have the right conditions to worship God. You don't just have to have everything just right to get in the Spirit. Everything doesn't have to be going your way. It doesn't matter, amen, what is currently going on or happening in your life. You can get into the presence of the Lord. And he clearly loved the presence of the Lord. In fact, when all others, even his disciples, forsook him and fled, the Bible said that John stayed with Jesus And it was the Lord that had to dismiss him to take his mother away from the cross so that she would not witness his final moments before he died in the suffering that he was going through. That describes a worshiper to me, someone that loves him. Someone that stays there when others flee and others walk away. Someone that has that, that tendency, if you will, to linger. That's something we don't hear a lot about anymore, but that is something that some of us that's been around for a while, we, we recognize the importance of lingering and absorbing and staying plugged into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to tell you, this world's got a way of ebbing things away. It's got a way of sucking uh, your spirit dry of all spirituality. 
And there's, there's a need for getting plugged in and being renewed and restored in the presence of God. Being touched again by the Spirit of the Lord and, and uh, speaking in tongues all over again. Amen. Come on. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it. I know there's some believe in a once saved, always saved. I got the Holy Ghost back in 1975 and I got enough to carry me all the way to glory. I'm going to tell you that's false doctrine. My Bible tells me that we need to be renewed. Amen. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. You're amongst a bunch of tongue talkers here tonight. We're not ashamed to come in the presence of the Lord. And when we get here, we don't just get here until we feel a little something better but we stay there and linger there until God begins to renew something in us and we pray through to speaking in other tongues that's how you know you got the victory that's how you know you got the devil under your feet that's how you know you're on top of things and not beneath it that's how you know you've been revived is that you pray until you pray through Oh, if you need victory here tonight, you can pray through. If you need God to give you strength, you can pray through. If your faith needs to be revived tonight, you can pray through. There's something about praying in the Holy Ghost. The Bible said it builds up your most holy faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on, let's cup our hands and worship the Lord. I just feel to press on that just a little bit. We never need to be far from just an, an old-fashioned tongue-talking experience. Now, I don't agree with folks that just, you know, they just, uh, uh, they, they speak in tongues at their own whim uh, and, and just at their own will. I believe it's as the Spirit gives the utterance. I believe there's something sacred and to be respected about all of this. I don't believe you just go around and talk about whatever and involved in, in carnal, even natural things and just like a flipping of a switch, turn this on. But when you're in the presence of God and you're absorbing the presence of the Lord and you're flowing, amen, and you wade out in that river as you, as you, as you might, uh, uh, see it in your mind, you wade out in the currents of this uh, and you're refreshed and you're renewed and you feel the Holy Ghost moving upon you, you'll begin to speak with other tongues just like you did the first time. Amen. You could be born again. If you don't mind me using that phrase, amen, and taking a little liberty with it, I, I could tell you that some of us need to be born again. I know we were born again at a such and such date. Maybe you got the Holy Ghost certificate. Maybe you got the baptismal certificate that proves that you were baptized in Jesus' name on this date. Or you received the Holy Ghost on this specific date. But can I tell you that 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 you had received years ago, you need to be refreshed in it. You can be refreshed in it. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to be refreshed in it. Just like you got it then, you can get it now. Just like you received it back there, you can get it in this place tonight. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost falling in my spirit right now. I feel the current of God in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, 
Praise God. But that's a true worshiper that knows how to linger because he loves him. He knows how to come and he doesn't have to be coerced to come to the presence of the Lord. He doesn't need coddling to come into the presence of the Lord. John stayed in the good times and in the bad. He was there for the miracles. He was there for some of the most intimate experiences in God. Matter of fact, you'll read along with that 12 that was called, there was a special, what I call the big three, Peter, James, and John, that was asked into certain uh, situations with the Lord. They were there. They witnessed it firsthand. God allowed that for them. Oh, they were close to him, but but John seems to go just a little bit further than that. I'm not just here for the miracles. I'm not just here for the loaves and fishes. I'm not just here for the blessings, but I'll stay with you all the way to the cross. If you're looking for commitment, I'm here. If you're looking for faithfulness, I, that's a worshiper. Is somebody that's good, not only on Sunday morning, but on Sunday night. Not only on Sunday night, but Wednesday night. Not only on Wednesday night, but on Monday morning. Amen. When the alarm clock goes off, it isn't on me, but this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to give a shout of praise. I'm going to be a 24-7 worshiper. I'm going to live for God and give Him the worship of my life because I'm dedicated to Him, because I love Him, because I desire to serve Him. Oh, somebody give him praise again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Worshippers are there. They're faithful. Amen. Worshippers are not just there when it's, it's high times and it's blessing times. Oh, this, this man in our scripture, it seems like he was strategically there at times when he could receive but he never really learned how to contribute. Hallelujah. Oh, John said, I'll be there. I'll be faithful. He represents worship while Simon Peter is symbolic also of some things. He is a man of action. When others were afraid, when the storm was raging and the ship was tossed and the waves were coming on the inside of the boat, I don't know much about sailing, but I know that's not a good sign. When more is getting inside than is on the outside, that's a bad sign. And the ship was sinking, and they had bailed water as long as they could. And it looked like it was a hopeless situation, and they saw a shadowy figure walking on top of the waves. And Simon Peter, while others were scurrying, and they were afraid, and they didn't know what to do, and they said, it's a ghost, He said, that resembles Jesus. He's the only one I know of that would come to me when I'm in trouble. He's the only one that would be here when when I have a need so desperate. He's the only one that cares enough to come to me in such a circumstance. He said, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come. And I believe while he was saying it, he was already hoisting his leg over the side of the boat, stepping out on the sea. And I know we try uh, to always accentuate the fact that he sank, but at least he got out of the boat and he walked some steps over. 
on the water. Amen. I want to preach to somebody. It's not, uh, it's not good enough just to play it safe. It, it's not, it's not what we need just to sit uh, on the sidelines and say, well, uh, I'll let somebody else do it. Uh, be a person of action. Be someone that steps out. Be someone that is unafraid. Be someone that has enough faith to respond. It was also Simon Peter when Jesus was teaching and there were those that were walking away and he wheels around, Jesus does to his disciples and said, will you also go away? It was Simon Peter. He said, nobody else wants to say anything. While you're searching for words and how you're going to say it just right, he said, I I got something to say, Lord. He said, where shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to turn. There's no else to run to. You're the only thing we got in this world. If we don't have you, we don't have anything at all. Where shall we go? He was a man of action at Jesus' arrest. And there were those that were getting ready to cart him off. And he wields a sword. He bandishes that sword. And he whacks off the servant of the high priest's ear, Malchus. Amen. Some people fault him for, for his anger and his impetuousness and all of that but I say at least he was willing to stand for something I'm not just going to passively sit by and let you take away my Lord I'm not going to passively sit idle and allow you to trample over what I believe and what I have faith in and what I have have committed myself to I want to preach to somebody tonight we need some folks of action words are cheap in this world today we need some people that will stand flat footed and say I'm not afraid of what I believe. I'm not afraid of who I am. I'm not afraid to to sound off that I'm an apostolic. That I'm a born again Pentecostal. That I believe in Jesus name. That I believe in holiness and living for God. I believe in a righteous lifestyle. I'm not afraid to go against the grain because there's only one way to be saved. And I want to be a part of those that are numbered with the believer hallelujah come on clap your hands and let's give praise hallelujah praise God praise God in other words Simon Peter wasn't sitting around and waiting on someone else to make the move someone else to inspire him someone else to open the door and create the path and be the pioneer and the path trailblazer Someone else to be the first. He was willing to step out himself. And he represents faith. James said, even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead. Being alone. Yeah, man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. He said, let me tell you what I'll show you. I will show thee my faith by my works. Amen. Faith is action. Faith is stepping out. Faith is doing something. Faith is not sitting in a corner worrying. Faith is not going to sleep at night with dread. Faith is not living in fear day by day. 
What's going to happen? How's the economy going to turn out? Who's going to become president? What's going to happen in the next political election? What's going to take place over here and over there? Oh, that's not faith, but faith is saying I'm a child of God. Faith is saying that I'm going to stand on the word of God. And faith is action. Faith is movement. So when worship, John and faith, Simon Peter got together. Come on, when they come in agreement with one another. And let me just stop and say it takes faith to really worship God properly. The first place that faith is mentioned, or rather worship is mentioned in your Bibles in Genesis 22. And you know it took a lot of faith for Abraham to take Isaac up to the top of Mount Moriah and be willing to offer him as a sacrifice. And it's going to take faith for you to really engage in worship. It's going to take faith for you to do in spite of how you feel, in spite of what you see, in spite of what the doctor may have told you, in spite of what circumstances look like currently in your life. You come and stand flat-footed in a church service on a Sunday night and say, I'm still going to raise my hands, devil. I'm still going to praise the Lord. I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to magnify Jesus. That's faith. Amen. Faith is not just sitting there. Faith is not being all cute. Faith is not coming to just patty cake it for Jesus. Faith is not being a Pentecostal mannequin when you come to church. Faith is coming to the house of God and saying, I'm not waiting on the singers to hit the right note. I'm not waiting on somebody to say the right thing. I'm not waiting on the preacher to get on my candy stick. I'm not waiting on a sermon that motivates me. We've had enough preaching and motivation. We ought to be tearing this place down tonight with our worship. We need somebody that's got faith that said, I need something from God and I can't wait anymore. I can't wait any longer. I'm not going to procrastinate. I am going to worship him. Oh, let's give him praise. When faith and worship got together and went up, to pray. You get those three. That's a, that's a winning combination. You get a little worship and you get some faith stirred up and then you start praying about some needs. I'm going to tell you something powerful is going to happen. I said something powerful is going to take place when faith and worship goes along with prayer. Amen. Something is going to happen. Hallelujah. In our text, Peter and John came up to the house of prayer, the place of prayer, at the time of prayer, and they came in contact with a certain lame man, the scripture says, that was at the beautiful gate of the temple. Bible says that it was called beautiful. This man was in a precarious position, if you will. He was at the gate. As one person said, he was too in to be out, too out to be in. He was stuck in a place of transition. Gates are not made for you to stop in or to be stuck in. But they're a place of progress. They're a place of entrance. It's a place that demarks admittance. A beautiful place. But he had an ugly problem because he was lame. 
The scripture says that this was as far as he could go. Amen. Because the halt, the lame, the cripple could not enter into the temple. The law prevented, prevented them from entering in or going any further. So this was as close as he could get. He was close enough to hear the prayers that were going forth. Close enough to hear the reading of the word of God. Close enough to hear the music and the worship and the pattering of feet and dancing. Close enough to hear the celebration inside the temple. He was close enough to sense the incitement. But he was relegated to only ask when they would exit. What was it like to be in the presence of the Lord? What was it like to feel him at that level? What was it like to experience and experience him on that wise? Stuck at the gate. Limited. Stopped short. He came for the fringe benefits. He was there in that religious setting as close as he could get. Hoping that people would leave that place with a sense of generosity and would give him a little bit of the leftovers and give him enough to survive another day. He was scratching out an existence. He was making it really day by day. No real hope, no future, no real dreams or aspirations. There was no vision that anything would change. He was there because someone else carried him. And these are the unsung heroes of this passage because they carried him. I want to ask you a question. Who's carrying you? Amen. Have you lived off the prayers of other people? Have you absorbed and lived off the blessings of other people's worship? Have you existed because of their faith? Have you made it this far because of their commitment? He was a burden. He was really, by all intents and purposes, he was a liability to them. This was something that they did daily and thank God for them. There's many of you that have carried burdens and you've carried them as far as you could. You, you brought them as far as you could. You got them as close as you could to the presence of the Lord. But we all have limitations. We all have a place where we reach the end of ourselves. There's all of us have a, a place that we say that's as far as I humanly possibly can go. That, that's as far as I can take this. Amen. But I'm thankful that we've got a God that makes up the difference. That makes up the margins with his grace. He had a cup in his hand. A cup that he had learned to, to signify that, that I'm here for one purpose and one reason. I want uh, what you can live without. I want your leftovers. I, I want uh, what you could give me out of your abundance. I know I'll never be what you are. I know I'll never experience all that you've experienced. I'll never see or have the testimony that you do. But if you'll give me just out of your abundance, that'll be enough for me to survive another day. I'm going to tell you somebody needs to get rid of their cup today. Somebody needs to get rid of that mentality out of your mind of just existing from Sunday to Sunday, week to week, service to service. God has much more for you than that. There's 
much more in the kingdom of God to aspire to. You need a bigger vision. You need a, you need a greater dream. You, you need to get in your heart that I'm not going to be satisfied with just surviving. I'm not going to be satisfied with a simple existence around the church. I'm not going to live off the generosity of what somebody else gives. I'm not just going to live off of somebody else's prayer. And I'm certainly not going to be a burden just to everybody else in the church. I don't want them to have to pray me through week by week. I don't want them to always be worried whether or not I'm going to backslide or I'm going to make it to the next Sunday. I want I want to get a hold of something in God. I want to make a transition in this service. I want to go further than I've ever gone. I want to be a contributor instead of somebody that just comes to church to absorb and to receive and is never able to give back. I want to be a worshiper that tears down walls for somebody else. I want to be a prayer warrior that opens doors for somebody else. I want to be a praiser that creates an opportunity for somebody that doesn't know God to be able to find God and to receive from God and get a miracle from God. I want to get to the other side of the gate. Oh, raise your hands with me right now. Let's give praise to the Lord. You see, even now as I'm preaching tonight... There's people that don't understand because we're so self-possessed. We're so self-centered sometimes. We've learned how to be survival saints. We've learned how to live with a mentality the church is all about me. And that come to the house of God is all about what I can get out of it. Come on. You need to grow up. You need to put away that milk and get you some meat in your mouth and understand that this is a place that I'm built to grow in. God wants me to flourish. God wants me to be fruitful. It's time that I graduate from that stuff and grow up in God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. The enemy stunts people's progress, limits their faith, tries to box them in, and he starts early. There's two ways I want to apply this. The Bible said from his mother's womb, he starts early. He gets young people. He gets children. He wants to stop them from growing in God. Getting the Holy Ghost at a young. I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful for young people around the age of five, six, seven years old, getting baptized in Jesus' name, recognizing their need of God, praying through the Holy Ghost. That's the way it ought to be. Come on. They ought not be up and, and, and nearly 20 years old before they start recognizing, hey, I need God in my life. I, I need to get to an altar. I need God to fill me with the Holy Ghost. I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you, you need to recognize that at a young age. It needs to be cultivated. It needs to be the culture of this church. It needs to be a part of us. You need to not leave it up to the preacher to do all of that. You need to go home talking about it. You need to go home talking about the Holy Ghost and the move of the Holy Ghost. Don't go home and gossip. Don't go home and criticize the church. Your children won't want anything to do with it. Don't go home and criticize the preacher and then expect the preacher to dig you out of trouble later on. But make up your mind. Whatever my children hear, they're going to hear goodness. They're going to hear blessings. They're going to hear the positive things that go on around the church. Amen. I'm going to talk about good reports. I'm going to talk about Holy Ghost movement. I'm going to talk about the blessing of being a part of something that's greater than any institution in this world. I 
That's right. That's right. That's right. Some of you wonder why your sons or your daughters don't have it, don't seem interested. It's because of your talk at home. It's because of your attitude about the church. Don't blame it on them. Amen. Take responsibility and realize I'm going to make this a positive environment. Praise the Lord. Because likely they'll not be what you say, they'll be what you are. Amen. You've got to be an example of prayer. You've got to be an example of faithfulness. Wonder why my kids don't come to church. Well, how often do you come to church? How, how faithful are you? Amen. To the house of God. Wonder why they don't know how to pray. Well, how much do you exemplify prayer before them? Wonder why they're not involved in the worship. Well, how many aisles have you run lately? How much do you leap for joy? How many times have you lost yourself dancing before the Lord? How often have you gotten to the place that nothing else mattered? You weren't worried about your stinking pride. You was worried about getting a hold of God. You was concerned with the presence of the Lord. Come on, we need apostolic church in this age. We don't need a dead dried up. Oh, dying on the vine church. We need a church that is alive and full of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Somebody cup your hands and give him a shout of praise. Starts early. He starts early. He starts early. Trying to get in their head. Trying to, to infiltrate their minds. Trying to stunt their growth. Oh, not only is this could be related in the natural and physical, can also be related in the spiritual. New convert, I'm going to tell you, the night you got the Holy Ghost, the devil put an X on you. The night you went down in this watery grave, or the day you went down in this watery grave in the name of Jesus, he put a check by your name. Oh, yeah, you became a target. Oh, the Bible said, think it not strange because of the fiery trials. Amen. There's going to be trials. There's going to be resistance. That's a good sign you're in the will of God. That's a good sign you're doing something for God. If you got it easy, if it's a walk in the park, you're probably not doing it right. Amen. But if you live for God hard, it'll be easy. If you live for God easy, it'll probably be difficult for you. If you make up your mind, I'm going to be red hot for God. I'm not just going be in the way. Hey man, I'm going to be making a way. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be insistent about growing and becoming what God wants me to become. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But he starts early on new converts. Yeah, you notice everybody don't do it like you do. They're not as excited as you are. Oh, they don't get it as filled with joy as you do. Amen. You settle down here. Fit in. Be like the rest. Oh, come on. Calm down. You don't take all of that. Tries to tell you. Uh, just take a, take a back seat. Be a little, a little more casual about things. Oh, why is that? Because he knows that if he can start from the womb, you know what happens to people that live with disabilities and these kinds of things? They learn how to get by with them. That's right. The longer you stay at the gate, the more comfortable you become with it. The longer you live limited, the more you learn to accept those limitations. 
You have to get sick of being stuck. All he was expecting, it says it, expecting to receive something from them. Didn't say he was coming to church to expect something from him. Expecting from them. Oh, we as saints of God can do that. We can come to church expecting for the preacher to turn my crank. Expecting the musicians to get me excited. Expecting the singers to, to, to get me back in that place where I feel motivated again. Oh, we got it all wrong if that's our attitude. We got to come expecting to receive something from him. It can be you're expected to receive something from them. It has to be I'm receiving something from him. And when I come for the Lord of the house, I can expect the Lord of the house to bless me. I can expect the Lord of the house to work for me. I can expect him to give me a miracle. I can expect him to answer my prayers. I can expect him to fulfill his promises. I can expect him to move in my life. Expecting to receive something of him is what it needs to be. And then I want you to notice this. The Bible says the problem was in his feet and ankle bones. And limited him his entire life. It wasn't a heart problem. Come on. It wasn't a major organ failure. It wasn't something that we would look at and say, hey, that's life or death right there. It was something in the extremities that was causing him trouble. But if you don't deal with something in the extremities of your life, it won't be long until it takes over your life. And he became a lame man. Didn't say lame of his feet. Didn't specify where he was lame. It just says he was a lame man. Why? Because a problem that started in the extremities overtook him and become something that identified every part of his life. And it happens spiritually to people every day. They allow something that really is an extreme problem that is out there on the extremities in the periphery of their life and they fail to deal with it. They say, well, I, I really don't have to pay attention to that. I, I got control of that. I can deal with that. I, I don't really have to get serious about that. Oh, that that's just a, that's a minor deal at this point. That, that's a small problem. This is feet and ankle bones. That, that's really not a heart problem. That, that's not a, that's not major organ failure. I don't have to deal with that. Oh, no. You better take that serious and realize I'm not going to go another service. I'm not going to live another day. I'm not going to try to survive another week. I'm not going to show up next Sunday and it still be in existence. I'm going to deal with it now. I'm going to overcome it now. I'm going to be made whole of it now. I'm going to be healed of it at this point. Well, do I need to get a little bit more specific so you'll understand what I'm talking about? Oh, it's just a minor little attitude problem. I just got a little gossiping problem. You know, it's not a big deal. I only do it when I get around certain people. I only criticize things every once in a while. I only let it get in my spirit and eat me up when the preacher comes walking down my road. That's usually what the problem is, is when the spirit gets close to you, tries to convict you and tries to deal with you about things and you're resistant against it. That's usually when you pick around and try to find something about it you don't like. 
Oh, I just got a little pride problem. It's just a little pride problem. You know what? Pride is the root of so much. Is what got the devil kicked out of heaven and one third of the angels to follow. Started with pride. And you say that's just a little problem over there on the extremities of life and I got control of it. I can deal with it. But if you're too prideful to really get down to business living for God, if you're too prideful to worship God, if you're too prideful if need be to come to an altar and let tears fall off your chin and cry out to God in desperation, oh, a lot of people, that's the only reason they're not going to be saved is they got too much pride. They got too much pride to admit they're wrong. They got too much pride to say, they're sorry. They got too much pride to walk across an aisle to somebody that they've wronged and say, I want to get it right. Let us get it straight tonight. I don't want to go to hell over something this minor. This was just something on the extremes that I let get away with me, but I'm going to deal with it tonight. I'm going to deal with it tonight. Come on, it's time to take control. It's time to deal with things tonight in the Holy Ghost. You might think it's minor, but this can consume you. It can overtake you and it can make you become stuck at the gate and go no further and you'll only hear what others are experiencing you'll only be able to receive the testimony of the blessings that others are receiving but if you want to get in on it and if you want to progress you got to leave it and say I'm going beyond this gate tonight I'm going beyond this gate Oh, don't, if you don't deal with small problems, they'll disable you. Amen. They'll disable you and render you ineffective in the kingdom of God. And then finally, as musicians come, the Bible says that when Peter and John walked up, I like that terminology. It said, fasten, fastening their eyes upon him. Amen. Let's go back and read that. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John. When he saw this, I don't know how many times he'd walked by that same guy. If he'd been there daily, this certainly wasn't the first time that Peter and John had came to the temple at that hour to pray. But there was something different about this moment. This this underscores the fact that there's moments in God that cannot be recaptured. They 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 have to be they have to be maximized. You, you, you have to do your best to get a hold of it when it happens. Can't be cavalier about it. You can't say, well, there'll always be next Sunday. Don't live your life like that. You'll miss moments that were meant to be pivotal in your life. The scripture says he fastened, he focused in with laser intensity. And the Bible said he took heed of them, expecting to receive. He was expecting to receive from them. Finally, Peter said, Let's get your attention where it needs to be. Silver and gold, we don't have. You live beyond and below your means for so long that that's all you're looking for. Let me turn your attention to what this whole building and this whole gate was constructed for. You can be healed. You can be delivered. You can be set free. You can receive a change in your life. 
something different can happen for you. And he took him by the right hand. And he pulled him up. And the Bible said that part of him that was weak received strength. His feet and ankle bones received strength immediately, the scripture says. I'm going to tell you, when we get our heart right with God and we get in right alignment with the will of God, it doesn't take God long to move in the situation. A lot of our waiting is because God is trying to bring us in alignment with His will and His purpose. And God, just like He proved to the children of Israel, He can wait four days, four weeks, four months, or 40 years. However long it takes for you to bring yourself in alignment to believe me at my promises. That's how long. And the Bible says that he stood for the first time. And I want you to notice the progression here. It says that he stood. And it says that he walked. And it says that he leapt. And it says that he praised. There's progression there. I'm going to tell you. Oh, you might think, if I don't leave this place here tonight, all the way at this level, that it wasn't a success. But I'm going to tell you, some of you that's not stood can walk out of here standing. Some of you that's never been able to make progress, you can walk out of here putting one step in front of the other, going forward in God. Some of you that has never been able to leap to, to a higher place can leap to a higher place in God. Some of you that has never been free to really worship God at the level that you know it, it should be experienced at, you can receive that level of worship, that level of intensity and praise to God. You can ascend to it. Bible says that he entered with them. In other words, those men that come together had somebody else that came together with them and joined them. Oh yeah, there's always room for more. There's always room for more. There's always room. You don't have to. We, we don't have any intention of leaving anybody behind around here. We don't have any intention of leaving anybody in the dust around here. We want everybody to have the ability to enter in to the promises and the potential that God has for us as a church family. Why don't you stand with me right now? Lift up your hands to the Lord and say, God, I want you to give me strength in the weak areas of my life. I want you to give me strength to overcome some areas that I've been in, unable to stand in. There's some some areas of my life that I've been weak and unable to be strong in. I need your strength to come to those areas. It may have seemed like a minor deal up until this point, but you're interested even in the minor things of my life. Oh God, I want to emphasize oh that he wants to help us tonight in every weak area, every place that we need strength, God is able to help us. He's able to support us. He's able to raise us up so we can stand. Not only stand, we can make progress and we can enter in. And we can praise and then we can go on into leaping and rejoicing with the others and joining in and going to higher places in God. God wants to take you there tonight. 
in this house, in this house, in this house. Come on, let's gather around this altar. Let's respond to the Holy Ghost here tonight. Let's, let's reach out to the Lord in this place this evening. God wants to touch people in this house. God wants to strengthen people. Maybe there's an area of your life that nobody else knows about. A secret place that only you and God are aware of. That is a weak place in your life. Maybe it exists in your attitude. Maybe, maybe it exists down deep a bitterness towards someone or something that happened to you in life. I'm going to tell you you can be healed from that. You can recover from that. You can be restored in that. You can overcome that. You can rise above that. You can leave this place walking away from it. Oh God will give you, give you strength to stand above and beyond in your, in your own power. You don't have to lean on somebody else and be a burden to somebody else. This has maybe been a blight and a burden to your family. But God wants to heal you tonight. to reach parallel to somebody that's beside you. I want you to reach over to your brother or your sister and let's minister to one another. Come on, we need to pray tonight. I know this preaching gets close to home. I, I know this preaching gets specific sometimes. It gets where we're living sometimes. But that's okay. That's what we need. Oh, that's how, that's how we're going to be fixed. That's how we're going to be healed. That's how we're going to overcome some things.